Bokartov, we left off on the 49th chapter of Tehilim in the middle, but because it's been a while, I'm, we're going to go back to the beginning of the 49th chapter. The, this chapter is a fascinating chapter for the 49th chapter, especially if you read it with the commentaries. It's, it's very hard to read the chapter without the commentaries because the, the wording and the language is so difficult in this one that it's very hard to make out a, um, just a, 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 any message if, you read it, if you're not reading it with a lot of commentary. That said, if you read it with the commentary of, let's say, the Radak, you come across some very, very fascinating philosophical insights. Just to give you an intro, uh, so the Radak says here, on the, the second pasuk of the, of the Mizmor, he says, Pasuk bet shim uzot, mizmor alinyan This Mizmor, is about this world and the next world. Now the reason that's very significant that the Radak says that this means more is about the next world is that throughout Tanakh, you don't really have much reference to Olam Abba. You have hints of references to Olam Abba. And because this means more is one of those places where there are hints or maybe even overt references to Olam Abba, it's very significant. It's something that's unique in Tanakh. Okay? Let's, the, the beginning of the Mizmor is, a, is an introduction. So what happens very often in, in poetic literature in the Torah is that the first few psukim are devoted to more of like a poetic opening where the author announces that he is about to begin speaking. So let's read through that part quickly. For the conductor, for the songs of, for the sons of Korach, a song. Listen to this, all the nations. Hear all the dwellers of the earth. Now, from the fact that it's being addressed to Kol Ha'amim, to all the nations, and it's being addressed to all the people who dwell on the land, what does that tell you about this Mizmor's audience? So this Mizmor is not an audience that's, a, that's not, it's not targeting a Jewish audience. It's targeting a... Okertov, Okertov, we're back. The vengeance. This, this Mizmor is targeting a universal audience. Okay, because when the Mizmor opens up by saying, listen all the nations of the world and hear all the people who dwell on the land, it means that the, the topic of discussion is going to be something that's not relevant only to the Emunah of Amisrael. It's a topic that's going to be relevant to all of humanity. And we will see how clearly... The Mizmor does target a very, very broad audience, okay? So, Whether you are the sons of, son of a great man, Adam, sorry, whether you're the son of a normal man, or or whether you're the son of a great man, whether you are rich or poor, you should listen to me. Should listen to my sayings. For my mouth will speak wisdom, and the understandings that are coming from what I'm thinking in my heart. Ate le mashal ozni, eftah 
Echinor chidati. I will, I will lend my ear, or I will tip my ear for an allegory. And I will open up with a harp to my riddles. Now, what is what is the author saying here? What is the author saying in this piece, in this pasuk? We listen to the righteous. No, so so. He's opening up by saying, listen, all the people of the, wor- of the world, whether you're poor or whether you're rich, I'm about to speak wisdom that's coming from my heart. And I'm going to do it in a way that is, that is a mashal and that is a chida. A mashal is an allegory. It's whenever you tell a story that drives home a lesson. And a chida is a riddle. It's something that, it's a saying that causes a person to think for himself and try to understand what you're saying but it's not readily evident okay now for some reason the wisdom in this piece is being conveyed as as he's saying here through a a mashal and through a chida now that's the first thing i want to understand about the mismore why is there a focus on riddles and allegories mashal why is that the medium through which he wants to convey these ideas. So as you'll see, the ideas of the Mizmor are going to be ideas of very, very deep significance. Ideas of, of man's purpose in this world. What makes life meaningful to humankind? What happens to humankind after death? What would be the best thing to do while on this world in order to avoid the pitfalls of human death? And, and when you talk about ideas that are deep and that, and that are um, of, of, you know, of, uh, of these kinds of topics, topics of the afterlife and things that are of the more opaque, otherworldly ideas, there's a rule that you can't just teach these things in general. And it's, it's in the laws of Talmud Torah. When you speak about the more mystical elements of life, you can't just teach them straight on. You, because a lot of these things, they cannot even be the word, we don't even have the words to describe them. The only way for them to be taught, to use a parable or, or for you to, or to use a parable and to give the listener the opportunity to come to the understanding on their own. And the benefit of this is twofold. One is because the topic of discussion is the, is a, just a type of topic that's better grasped by by parable, Correct. where a person comes to it on their own. Yeah. But there's another benefit to that, and that's what what the author of this chapter. We should get a chair. We should get another chair. Um, what what the the author of the chapter is going to be telling people is are, are things that are things that it needs to. A person needs to think of on their own so they realize. Meaning, very often if you try to force a person to understand, you tell a person, uh, keep this mitzvah, it's good for you. The person going to be like, okay, I'll keep it when I'm ready. But if the person all of a sudden has an incident in which they understand, for example, let's say a person doesn't see their family enough, right? And now you tell them, oh, you're not seeing your family enough, make sure to have Friday night dinner for Shabbat. And he says, oh, no, I don't like Shabbat. It's not, I'm not into Shabbat. And then let's say 
one day the person comes and the, the son comes home from school and says, and says, Dad, I feel like we never speak. All of a sudden, the guy starts feeling like, like a, what, it's my basic duty that my children feel close to me and he just feels like I'm never around? What, what can I do in order to, to reignite that relationship with my child? So then he thinks, okay, let me do Shabbat dinner. Now, which person is more inclined to be very passionate about doing a Shabbat dinner? The second one, because he came to it on his own. He developed the idea on his own. If you're being told something in a, just a basic way, then you don't, it, it doesn't sit with you as well. It needs but, to hit you. Yeah. But, but if you, own. yeah, and the beauty of teaching things in the way of a mashal, an allegory, is that you never say the quiet part out loud. When you're teaching an allegory, you don't, you don't convey, you don't say anything explicitly. You give the story. And the person has to take from the story the message that you're trying to hint. But when you do it that way, the person has to see it in the story. Now, if they, if they don't see it, they won't take it. But if they see it, then it's their idea. Then they thought of it on their own. And that way they'll be more committed to the wisdom that they're gaining. Okay? So that's a little bit of, a, of the importance of, of mashal and chidah. Now we're going to see, especially in a chapter like this, in which the topic of discussion is more mystical. Well, we don't like to be told what to do either. We don't. Yeah, you don't That's the idea. Yeah. In general, you don't, you, don't, you don't like to be forced or told yes. what to do at all. You have to come so to so conclusion being given the opportunity to just see them and then to make your own decision as to what the allegory means and how I should apply it to my life gives you some, some authority in that decision making and then it makes you stick to your decision better. Okay. So by the way, I think it's probably like, a, like one of those classic things in parenting where they say like, don't force your child into anything. Get them to realize the uh, importance and to do it on their own. Because if they, if they decide on their own that they want to do something, then they're going to stick to it. Like uh, I remember when I was younger, my, we were, it was at a time when like Shabbat was barely a thing in our community. And, and my parents were, uh, they were Shomer Shabbat or they were becoming Shomer Shabbat, but they didn't force any of of the kids now what the kids did in our family was they saw the mom and dad were keeping shabbat so they said okay like i guess we'll do that you know but nobody ever forced so i don't know if that's why everybody okay. but but it's but it, it makes it it's much better because then the kids feel like okay i decided it's for myself natural. yeah it's more natural okay evolution and now he's going to get to the topic of discussion starting in pasuk vav uh, the first five sukim, if you notice, was more of an introduction. Pasuk Vav is when he gets to the, the crux of his argument, okay? Lama ira bimera avon akevayesubeni. Now, by the way, I'll translate literally and then I'll go through how the Radak interprets because it's, it's not easy to understand these sukim at all, okay? So the, the, the translation of the sukim is, why should I fear in the days of bad that the sins of my end will encircle me. Wow. I don't know what that means initially. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. But, I'm going to read you the, the Radak. The days of bad, what are the days of bad? That's this world. Okay? So why should I fear in this world, he says, why should I concern myself with matters of this world and only obsess over worldly matters. Because if I do so, and I only obsess over worldly matters, meaning if I go my entire life and I only focus on my job and making money 
and then buying the next nicest item and then and then keeping up with the you know with all the culture of buying and materialism and this and that then at the end of times all i will have are my sins because i didn't do anything positive and then those will encircle me my sins will be will be what will take me to that my luggage my luggage my my yeah my my luggage is going to be my sins okay now by the way if you if you saw how i translated the pasuk and how the radak here interpreted it it's not necessarily uh it's not so clear that that's the right interpretation so we're we're gonna use the radak's interpretation because he takes it in very interesting philosophical directions but i want it to be clear that the pasuk has multiple interpretations because of how vague it is okay now, who am I talking about? The people that are, that are obsessed with this yeah. world. It's the people who, they rely on their wealth, and they, they praise themselves over their great amount of money. Now, the Mizmor is really going to focus on that, because if you want to basically dumb down the most basic human flaw possible, it, what would that be? What would be the most basic human flaw that's possible? Arrogance. No, I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking of forgetting to, forgetting to live like a human being, meaning forgetting to live beyond your materialistic world. Because what distinguishes a human from an animal the fact that a human has intelligence and can actually reach and see God and, and approach God in their behaviors and in their, in their thoughts and they can become godly. Now, if a person doesn't do any of that, get rid of all the spiritual pursuit. So what is left of a person? It's an animal. They're just an animal. So the most basic problem that humanity can, can have is when they fail to live as human beings reaching for something higher and live exclusively like an animal. So in this means more, according to the Radox interpretation, the topic is actually going to be what happens to humans that live only as animals, chasing food and meat and material, but they do not reach for God. What happens to them at the end of their life? What are they left with? Do they have any advantage? They have a luggage full of... So, all, so <laughs> his thing so far is all they have is their sins. Okay? But do you see why that is probably the most fundamental problem in humanity that and I'll to be Especially honest if you get rich you forget yeah really, and it's harder you, it's you, harder you become arrogant you think becoming I wealthy has its own has its own difficulties maybe on the way he did a couple good things too <laughs> okay but is that is that the, but is that is that enough is that enough he has pure thoughts no we're not knowing it he did bad things good things everything so we'll continue from Pasuk Chet tomorrow because it's a little bit late but I just want to point out that this is a much bigger issue than what I'm letting on. It's like a, it's a bigger picture. It's a it's very big issue because if you look today at American culture, really the biggest argument in society, in the cultural world, and even in the politics, is: Are we a materialistic creature, or do we believe in God and believe in a spiritual reality? What they want us to do is to be materialistic. So if you look at the Hollywood culture and the culture that's you see in the media. It's, it's a purely materialistic culture, meaning the only thing, the, the guiding principle of their philosophy is that this world is all we have, so you enjoy and of the physical uh, bounty of this world to the most you can, and that's basically the best you could do in life. 
so the ultimate goal is to have a lot of money and to have a lot of uh, uh, fun. fun. No rules. And to not have any responsibility because you eat and you drink for tomorrow you die. The alternative of basically the idea that built Western civilization was this idea that no, no, no. There must be responsibility. There must be something beyond pleasure because if we only have pleasure, then what, what differentiates us from animals? And the irony is that if you really look, the side that has a materialistic worldview, they don't differentiate humans from animals. That's why half of them spend their time fighting for animal rights when right now in Sri Lanka there are people that are dying of starvation. You know? Like, where are the priorities? There's so much human suffering. And I understand it's a good thing. We have a concept in the Torah, but the level of obsession that they have, where they do Super Bowl ads about animal rights, yet billions of people around the world are starving right now. Give the money to the people that are starving. That's where the priority should be. Unless you believe in a purely materialistic world, and human beings and animals are the same thing. Is there a middle ground? I mean, there is left and there is right. The, the middle, middle ground? So, so the middle ground is what the Torah expects. Because I was thinking about this actually last night. What is the middle? So what, should I shun all my materialism, stop going to work and just live like a monk? Well, no. Because if you look at the Torah, what are the Torah's blessings to Am Israel if they do good? That you'll have a lot of biracha, you'll have parnasah, your bread will produce this. Meaning... Meaning the goal isn't to just shun everything, but the goal is to not get carried away with those things to the extent that all you think is that is that there's a materialistic yeah. world and so there's nothing else. this is the middle ground. Yeah. So, to so to those now in values. this Mizmor, we're going to see, at least according to the Radak's interpretation, the emphasis is on conveying this point that if you only believe in a materialistic reality, you're not getting anywhere. But now, well, it doesn't discuss the larger philosophical view of the Torah, which is that you live within the world and you elevate those things that you have. So you, you see purpose in the material that you're given and try to... Make that material holy. Don't make that material the, holy. Exactly. But don't forget... Take the money and make it holy. Take the money... Now, that because that, that, money, that, money, that money is not going, as he's going to say in the next pasuk, is not going to save you. It's not going to... You're not going to be able to buy yourself Impossible. out of death. Impossible. Right? You can't pay a bail out of to sickness. the jailer when the jailer is deaf. So what could you do? Well, if you use that money for goodness and you make sure to give tzedakah and elevate that money, things that animals wouldn't do, and you live like a human being, then you don't, you, that may avoid death. And in fact, in the Mizmor, we're going to see, he uses two words. He used avadon, which would be like utter destruction of the soul, and uses mavet, which is death. Death is death of the body, which is great. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good relatively. Avadon is whenever the soul gets cut off. And that's what happens to people who are... Amen, amen.